so my sister and I, before we got paid like like nine minimum wage early on, but what we got we got one hundred percent of the tips that we earned. And it was when, we, when we my parents would do like festivals where we had a FUBU set up before FUBU sort of thing. So we had to go to festivals and we would get all the tips. So we knew if we structured things a certain way, we'd increase our amount of tips that her and I would get. So she was like, you know, I was like eight. She was, you know, she's three or four years old. So she was 12. So like we had position where like if, if I was up front or she's up front, we, we were very strategic about this. We would drive the most like amount of tips. And there was ways we would do it psychologically to increase the amount of tips that we would get because we observe certain patterns. So for example, like... Welcome to Decision Point, a podcast about overcoming adversity in sales and the growth that we experience in the process. I'm Brad Siemens. Joining Brad today on Decision Point is Marcus Chan. Marcus and Brad had an incredible conversation, which we're actually splitting into two parts. Today is part one, where you learn the beginning of Marcus's journey from helping out at his parents' restaurant to selling Speedos to get his way through college. Marcus shares the details that helped him to get started along this path. Let's let's just get after it. Tell me how'd you get how'd you get started? Sure, man. Doing what so you're just, doing. Doing doing do what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, so. six, yeah. Tell me about Six Figure Sales Academy, and then tell us how you got there. Yeah, man. So right now, so with my business right now, I, I work directly with, you know, B2B sales professionals, typically like account executives, helping them earn an additional fifty dollars to $100,000 more in income every single year by helping them master refine their entire B2B sales process. So I've been doing this now for about two years now. And, you know, it's one of those things where it really, it's not something I plan to do. I wasn't planning to start my own business. It wasn't really a, a goal of mine. In fact, you know, my parents were entrepreneurs growing up. Uh, they were they did okay. They had a restaurant. It was hard work. We grew up just working our tails off, and uh, I just thought it was very not cool. Way way too much work and too little money. So I said to myself, I don't I don't want to ever be an entrepreneur. What I want to do is I'll work for a good corporation and make a lot of money doing that. So and before I went into this business, I was in corporate for over fourteen years. So I did that. I was did I did B two B sales to get promoted to lean massive teams for two major companies to the point where I was leading teams of, you know, 110 plus employees. So, and I got to that point where in my career, in my business career, I've been going for like probably eight years and just had a lot of success leading big teams, doing tons of revenue, winning all these awards. And at that point, someone said to me, they say, Hey, Marcus, you should write some write some books. You should write some books. Like how'd you get promoted like 10 times already in your career? How are you such a massive team? How are you having the success? And I'm like, I'm just a regular dude who actually sucked at sales, who actually struggled, who made a lot of mistakes and eventually figured it out. So I said, okay, you know what I should do? I should probably write some books. So I actually learned how to write an ebook at the time before ebooks were a thing. So I learned how to write an ebook and how to distribute online. So at that point, I started to write ebooks and just sell them online and was making some money. It wasn't a lot of money, like $9 an ebook. Now, now what, year, what year is this? This is 2016. 2016. Okay. So at this point, so you, like, so you, so, so, so real quick on the timeline. So you leave, yeah. it looked like you went to University of Oregon, yep. right? So yep. you, you grow up in Oregon. I did. You're, you're okay. So you grow up, you go, you're a duck, you graduate, you have some sales jobs. And yep. then now you're writing, you're writing some eBooks and you're getting a little traction. Yeah. Not a lot. Nothing crazy. A few extra hundred dollars a month, but you know, it was like, to me, I was like, wow, strangers are paying me money. That, that was like really fascinating. I mean, people that, because I came from the, the direct sell, sales world, I'm cold calling, cold emailing, running sales calls face to face. Like I'm used to that world and like complex deals. I'm not used to like 
putting something online, some some stranger paid me money. I was like, that was the weirdest thing to me. But I'm like, wow, that's pretty neat. Now, at the time, because you know, I was doing so well, it's like it's really hard to leave a great corporate, you know, opportunity job I have for nine dollars an ebook. So I'm like, whatever. So I started learning more about internet marketing at this point. And at the time, it's now like everyone, their mother has an online course, but back then it wasn't as popular. Only certain people had. So I still learned how to basically build an online course. I'm like, you know what? If I could build something that could, I could charge a little more, but also scale a little more, I can have more impact. And I'm like, what do people ask me a lot of questions on? And I really thought to myself, like, well, a lot, I get a lot of questions about B2B sales, stuff that I thought was kind of obvious, stuff that I just made mistakes over the years and have kind of figured out through trial and error. I have figured out. And because I had I ran so so such big sales team sales team, I learned a system to kind of bring someone in and turn them into a superstar. I'm like, if I could package it up and basically build something that was made for basically a past version of me when I started, that would help me. That'd be awesome. So it took me actually a couple of years because at that time I was traveling quite a bit. I mean, I was in hotel room like at least 100 nights a year big sales org. And in my free time, I built this course. It took me two years to build it out. I built out this B2B sales course A to Z. Spent two years doing that. Did a really soft launch in like early 2019. Just see what would happen. Like at this point, I'm like, crap, did I just waste like... So are you doing anything on LinkedIn or are you just, you're just being a sales guy? You're writing this ebook. Are you trying to prep it up to for like a big launch or like what's, what's the launch party? So, so there was no real launch party, right? So it was like literally like, I didn't know what I was doing, man. Like literally I was like, literally no joke. I was just like, I was on Instagram posting every day on Instagram, like at this whole like separate account at the time. And I was just like doing that even stuff on LinkedIn. Now my company was like, they weren't really comfortable with me doing this kind of type of side hustle stuff. They weren't like really old school company been around since the great depression. Now, they weren't now is, it, is this, Sinta, is this Sintas? Yes. Is that where you're at? I got a real, I got, I got a super funny story to tell you about, to tell you about CentOS, but keep, keep talking. And then we'll, as we yeah, transition yeah, yeah, yeah. subjects, I'm going to tell you this really funny. It's an entrepreneurial cool. story that involves somebody that worked at, that CentOS. Awesome, man. So anyway, so, you know, they were like, so I, on LinkedIn, I was very careful like because I, because I just didn't like the, I don't want them to misunderstand and I had a big role and big responsibilities and people knew me so I had a lot of influence too. So I'm like, all right, I got to be careful here. So it was pretty much just like, just like Instagram had like, had other like little lead magnets I had built, right? So I had a very small email list, like 300 people on the email list. And I remember like, I, I, I remember like getting down with it. I'm like, oh crap. Did I just literally waste two years of my life building this? Does anyone even want this? Just like send to the email list, put it on Instagram. Woke up, made two thousand dollars overnight, and I'm like, "Oh wow! Like this actually worked, you know?" And I'm like, "That's actually so that's kind of crazy." So you launched it on you launched it on Instagram, yeah, Instagram. Like it's like I put it on Instagram. I think we saw swipe swipe up links back then too. It's like swipe up links, like you know, I put it to my email list. Right, there was no real launch. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> like I didn't know what I was doing. All right, and I was like, it was, it was like a, a kind of a kind of a launch. Now, what I what what I also did did I tried a little bit later on after that was like a three video sequence that I had learned from somebody else. But from there, there was an aha at that moment though. That was like the whoa, I can do something with this. And you get to a point where I'm like, you know what, this is pretty cool. But if I want to make more impact across the board to more people outside of my organization, I have to go beyond this company, right? That's, that's the only way because they weren't really cool with me building a bigger brand and doing these things. That's just, just that's just not their style. Okay, so, so are you get are you getting are you getting brushback from your boss then? Are they like, hey, no, 
Hey, Marcus, I was on Instagram over the weekend. I saw, you know, I've been following you. Corporate's telling me that you got to stop doing all these videos. No. Is that what I was having? No, no it's more of like the unspoken stuff. You know, it's, it's like, it's okay. like, you know how like every company has like unspoken norms. They don't post it anywhere. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh, so I see what you're doing. Interesting. What's your plan with that? What's going on with that? You know, it's just kind of like that. Like, all right, I, 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 I read between the lines what you're saying here. So, um, you can't really tell your your boss, hey, don't ju- don't judge me, bro. Right. So I I plan I planned it out right. At that point, I'm like, I'm, you know what? Like, let me kind of if, if I'm making a move and go all in on this business, I need to make a, I need to be strategic with it. So it took me about nine months to plan it all out because I had a few things that I needed to fall into place. Like number one. I have my, my Presence Club Awards show, which is like a top elite trip. I had my free trip, you know, to Five Star Resort in August. I wanted that. That was a free trip. I had a bunch of stock I was going to invest. I had, we had an earnings call coming up. So I had all these things. That I knew we were going to skyrocket the stock. So I'm like, part of my exit, I want to make sure I cash out and roll out too. So I wait till literally till like the, the little earnings call in September 2019. Once it hit, stock went up, cashed out. I rolled out the following week. And I went all into business. So I've been doing it for about two years now. It's been uh, – Incredible journey. There's ups and downs like anything else, but it's been a lot of fun uh, having a lot of impact across the world. So there's a guy here in Indianapolis named Michael Crafton. He owns what's essentially a, at this point a pretty large HVAC business, but he started out cleaning hoods in the restaurant. So if you grew up in the restaurant, yeah. you know the guys will come, yeah, oh, yeah. come over and they'll clean they'll clean the hoods and they'll clean all the yeah. all the grease traps. And so yep. he's working at Centos and he's he's got a couple of buddies that went to college with and they're all working there and one night they go down to this area in Indianapolis called Broad Ripple and they have a couple too many drinks and while they're drinking they're like hey let's why don't we just quit our job at Centos and we're just going to all start our own thing tomorrow and so they're like yeah that's that's awesome so there's I think there was maybe you know five or six of these guys and they all agree that they're going to quit their job and they say hey we're going to show up you know we're going to show up tomorrow we're going to quit our job so (laughs) He goes in, he quits his job. Nobody else quits their job. He's the only one that quits their job. And so when he gets home that day, he's like, hey, did y'all call in? And they're like, no, we didn't didn't quit. And so he ends up quitting. (laughs) So now he's got to decide what he's going to do. So he said, this is, this is awesome. This is awesome. Like 22 year old entrepreneur logic. So he says, okay, here's what I did. He's like, when I, one summer I worked for, he played football at IU. He's like, one summer I worked with a buddy and we worked for a guy who lived in Ohio and he had a, he had a business cleaning hoods in the restaurants and he had a huge house. And I just thought, man, this guy is rich. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So he went down to the Broad Ripple Public Library. So this is like, you know, kind of Donna, I think it's like 2008. He goes down yeah. and he gets a book on how to clean a hood. And he said he printed oh. out all, he laid it on the copy, he prints out all the, all the copies. Yeah. And he said he got a, he got a suit on and he just went around and not, he like, he said, I showed up at the back door with a suit on yeah. of all these restaurants and they immediately let me in because they thought I was an inspector. And so now I'm in the restaurant and I start like, you know, pitching him and he's like, I got my first deal. And he's like, Brad, I kid you not. I went in there. I sat down and I laid out. He's like, I got scotch tape and I laid out the adequate, the hood instructions. Yeah. And then yeah. I just like went down and I cleaned it just like the instruction did. So now he owns a $35 million business cleaning hoods. That's uh, amazing. But it all started, it, it all started at CentOS. So yeah, man, I mean, he, I mean, p- typically the, p- the people that hire CentOS, they're pretty, like pretty gritty, right? They're gritty, you know, <laughs> like, like the, the, the CentOS guys yeah. are gritty. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, typically like, because it's like, it's, it's not easy. It's a grind for sure. 
I mean, very high. So are you selling uniforms at CentOS or what, what was the, he was in a uniform yeah. division, but. Yeah. So I started as a uniform rep. So I sold uniforms, right? But then the teams I had over time, they sold their facility services to their deep clean, to the uniforms, to insider reps, to whatever expanded out. So, but it's, they typically look for people that are like, you know, like probably came from a tougher background. They're willing to put the work in. They're willing to put the hours in. They're willing to wear a suit and show up to the back of a restaurant. Like that's the people that they love to hire. <laughs> You know, because they're yeah. gonna do whatever oh, this, this guy, yeah. this guy was hard. He's his name is Michael Crafton, and he he's awesome. He's but he's he's hardcore, man. He did, yeah. He was not he was not playing around. He put his suit on. He showed up back there, and he got his first deal. And he he just printed out the printed out the how to instructions it, for the library and, and got after I it. it. I love it. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, so great. So you so so kind of moving moving back to to you. So you get this. You know, you had this experience at CentOS. Did you feel like it? You know, you, you mentioned it being gritty. Did you feel like, did it bring, being at CentOS, did it bring something out of you? Well, so, I mean, even before this, like, I mean, I grew up just really, just like really gritty, right? I mean, I grew up, I mean, my our family was poor growing up. They're, you know, they're immigrants coming from China and Taiwan, escaping a, a cultural revolution. They came here with nothing. They So I grew up in, a, in an environment where we all pitched in. So we were already gritty, man. Like I, at five years old, I was running the back of the restaurant, my parents' restaurant, helping clean and prep vegetables and wash dishes and bus tables. So at a young age, it was like we all just hustled, man. I mean, like I, I, I make the joke like, you know, at the age of like seven, I had, I had a part time 40 hour week job. Right. Like because we were just hustling nonstop doing all these things. So, but the thing was, like from an income perspective, it's not a lot of income. So even throughout all of that, I remember like just different roles I've had. Like going to school, I could pick up all these different odd jobs. I did, I did whatever it took to graduate with zero debt. So the first role I had. So, was so in your family was debt? Was there a, a family dynamic that debt was negative? Like you guys were really, yeah. Like yeah, it, was, okay. it was like it was like debt. Debt was not a thing. Like don't 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 take on debt. You know, do whatever you can to not have. Did it. Great. Like, I think that's great. Um, you know, which is really key, right? But it was like, but it was also like it wasn't like cash only. It was like, hey, leverage credit in a smart way. So it's like, hey, if you get a credit card, like get the points and pay it off every month. You know, it's like use use credit smart, do it in a smart way. Yep. So that was just part of how we grew up. So the real like the you know even even that green showed up even when I was in college, where you know the first like you know kind of like kind of a nicer role I did was at Enterprise Rent a Car, which you're probably familiar with. You know, a lot of people know about Enterprise, and I was an intern there for two summers, and I worked part time through the school year. And when I was there. Like to me, I'm like, wow, because my parents would pay me minimum wage. So, and I think minimum wage was like $7 an hour at the time. And they were willing to pay, pay me $9 an hour. I'm like, oh, awesome. And on top of that, I got overtime. So I literally convinced my boss to let me work 70, 80 hours a week during the summer because I knew I'll get to show 30 to 40 hours in overtime at time and a half, which is yeah. way more than I was earning before. So I'm like, Give me all the hours. I'm like, I'll do a better. And job all the other kids are checking there. out, and you're you're oh, yeah. double, you're you're like keep showing up. He can't, everybody else is out at forty, and you just keep showing up. Yeah, my boss so, is like, you need to go home. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, hold on, boss. I'm like, if you have the other MT who's here working, who you're paying like twelve dollars an hour at the overtime. I mean, that now you're paying them whatever that it was eighteen dollars an hour, whatever that's going to be. Well, I'm I'm your cheapest employee who has the best results. At nine dollars an hour with overtime, I'm your cheapest rep that you have. So let me make you more money because I need to work a comp plan. I'm like, I'll make you more income for your branch if you let me work and you send them home. 
So here's what I think is really interesting about your background. So you got CentOS, Enterprise, both of those organizations seem to do, from my observation, seem to do a really good job of attracting uh, young and up and coming talent. What do you contribute that to? And as somebody that worked at both of those places, because I would say, you know, if I see CentOS or I see Enterprise on somebody's LinkedIn account, I know that they've been identified, they've been like, Enterprise and CentOS identified something in you before you knew it was in yourself. They attracted you to their business. And then whether you stay or not, if you're there for some period of time, you know, they do a really good job of training you. What do you like? Can you talk about those experiences all uh, at all? Yeah, hundred percent. So typically it's, it's, it's like the ones that kind of make it through, right? So like most people that are at the enterprise or CentOS, they usually last maybe a year, maybe two years. So they can last longer than that. That already shows you probably have more grit and skills and like work ethic. That probably so how are they? How are they keeping? So how are they keeping yeah. you? Like what's the what's the message that's resonating with somebody that's been there for three years? Sure. Um, so, in this so environment, like what? I think it starts with how they hire, though, right? Because like first off, even with the enterprise piece, so like typically. CentOS now, they typically don't want to hire right out of college. They, they want to put you into like a management trainee program versus the sales role. But for the sales role perspective, or even the management training perspective, it's very similar to the enterprise one. So they're looking for people that typically, you know, usually like show that they basically work through college. They're involved with a lot of activities. They probably work, probably pay for school. They also usually have a certain type of personality or they look the part, as it was it was called, look the part. It was like the unspoken rule, but like typically they looked a certain way. You know, they look like probably a former college athlete, probably involved with things. They probably take care of themselves. You know, usually like they care about how they look. It doesn't mean they're the best looking pe- person in the world, but they at least care about their appearance a little bit. So they, like, they notice these little things. So even when they show up to the interview, they already are ahead of the game. So they're like they're, they don't need as much coaching in that perspective, right? They usually have shown like a past history of doing different things that have shown a high level of grit, right? So that could be maybe they did door door sales in in college, you know, you know, do selling pest control, or maybe they worked at their parents' you know restaurant, or they had all these odd jobs and paid for school themselves. So they showed that they they didn't weren't usually fell from the silver spoon that they were able to do whatever it took to be successful. So they would hire those people. When they bring them in, it kind of depends. Like, for example, like a couple of things that's very attractive, at least for me, was number one, structure. I'm like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted structure because, you know, you don't really know what, what, you, what, you, what you have. So number one, structure. That was really appealing for me. Number two, upper mobility. So like being able to be painted the vision, hey, you come in as a management trainee and you work really well and you you perform certain certain level will promote you to now a management assistant now an assistant manager now a branch manager etc area manager etc and then the income is going to come with it as well so there's like this uh, status and prestige that you get to you know, get to do as well one of the things i remember back then i don't know if they still do it now but they used to market it especially in my, in my area for enterprise was it was like getting paid to get your mba that's how they marketed it, right? You get, you come here, you're going to have to run a whole business without. Okay, so they weren't paying for you to get an MBA, but the pitch was we're going to get, we're going to, you're going to get an experience. You're going to get an experienced MBA. We're going to show you how to run a business. Correct. So Correct. you're going to be in a branch. You're going to be working around. You're going to be mentored, mm-hmm. and we're going to show you the different pieces of the business. So you're going to clean cars. You're going to sell cars. That's all part of the management training program. 
Yeah, you you would clean cars, sell cars. Are you? I mean, you do like upgrades, upgrades to other vehicles. You'd sell their insurance packages, etc. And then you get developed as well. But here's the thing: just like anything else, your experience is is highly dependent on your manager. So if you have a branch manager who is not well, like they're not that good at their job, you don't get trained, and you end up getting basically you're just basically just a highly paid car washer. So that's why they're having for a lot of people. That's why a lot of people don't don't make it through except for the people who understand the bigger vision. So for me, because I grew up in a restaurant where if the dishwasher was out, I was washing dishes, I knew it was to take care of the customer. I had no problem wearing a suit and washing cars because I'm like, I'm gonna take care of the customer. They're gonna be super happy to see me do this and now I'm gonna upgrade them and I'm also gonna sell them insurance, which by the way, we didn't at the time, we did not get paid commission on that either. So purely- So I you're selling, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that you guys sold insurance. Yeah, so we would sell, we would upsell insurance that are whole you know, protection packages. Well, so, is that like insurance like on the car that I'm getting ready to drive off the lot or that's like correct. insurance? Oh, okay, got it, yeah, got it, got it. That's just right. like, hey, do you want the, do you want the $29.99 insurance to cover you for incidentals outside of your, so yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so if you get, exactly. if you get in a car wreck, okay, so you've got insurance, you're in a rental car, you wreck it. Doesn't your insurance cover it? So usually it does, but I had this whole pitch that I catered around. So I sold the most. I, I had this whole pitch that catered around it to actually uh, eliminate all these preset beliefs before I got to the pitch. So I had it all designed to increase my closing ratio, right? So Because like I, I'm I, the kind of guy, like I don't know if my mom or my dad told me this, but at some point they said like never sign, don't sign up for the extra insurance, like the cars, the devices, the the whatever. And I, my wife, one time she went out and got a car and I said, and I sent her to my best friend. And I said, Hey, Russ is going to try to sell you the gap insurance. Whatever you do, do not sign it. So she came back and she signed it. And I'm like, honey, you gotta be kidding me. And she's like, I don't know. He was calling me honey and sugar. I just felt like I had to do it, but I got oh, in a wreck. Yeah. Yeah. I got in a wreck and it, it saved me about 12 grand in the gap, or I think it was six grand in the gap. It saved me about so six the, grand it, 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 for the gap it. insurance. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's but like... But it wasn't a rental car. It was just a normal car. Yeah, like with the rental cars, like the damage waiver was something that it was like... It was like... It, 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 even today, I still buy it. There's nothing. Oh, you buy it. Okay, so as a former... Yeah. As a former worker, you get a rental car, you buy the waiver insurance. Okay. Yeah, because for me, I don't want to pay a $500 deductible and have my premium go up on a car I don't even own. Right. So, well, that's a good, so that's a good, that's a good point. I never thought about not, not that we're on this podcast to talk I about know. insurance. But, I know. You know, I know. Anyways, that's no, a great, that's a great very, point. Okay. I'm very, I'm very, I was very, I'm telling you, like literally, I would preset <laughs> these landmines in their head because here's like, everyone's like, I'm a good driver. I'm like, totally. And I'd walk around, I'd pull out different things. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hey, we're looking for like, you know, golf ball size dent or a crack in the windshield or anything. But here's the reality most people are actually very good drivers. Like, I'm sure you are. Most of the time, it's things they can't control, like driving down and a rock chip hits, or they park at a grocery store and they come out and someone hit the car. That's usually what happens. They're like, "What?" I'm and now you got to pay five. Now you got to pay five hundred. So, so here's what I think is important: is that you understood in the sales process to to try to get the objections first. Hundred percent. I would eliminate. You didn't go straight. Options. You didn't go straight. Yeah, you didn't go straight into like, "Hey, do you want the twenty nine ninety nine?" Oh, no, not, not at all. Now, it, when you're in the airport, it's a little bit different because they can't walk around the car. So I would yeah. precede and future pace them around around the car. I didn't realize I was doing that. I, I just kind of figured it out. I'm like, oh, this really works. When I kind of tell them these things, they're like, they were, before before they got to the cold, like, oh, like, okay, cool. Like, I don't want to get an accident. I'm like, cool. 
Let me show you how I can help you. That, that, <laughs> that's awesome. So did you feel like you were talking about your experience? Did you feel like your experience? So there's a Chinese restaurant down at, in the town over and I'm, I'm there one day and they've got their probably fifth grade son yep. who was blowing my mind. So here's what's happening. I walk in, he's doing his homework. He's running the cash register. Yep. He's talking to mom and yep. he's on the phone. Yep. And I was like, bro, you're hired. How old are you? 12? I was like, do you want to, do you want do you want a job? I mean, I was yeah. blown away. I mean, this kid, and he was just, this kid's fifth grade. He was just buttoned up. Oh, I yeah. mean, he, he was talking Chinese. He oh, was yeah. yelling at the chefs. He's yeah. asking questions about the homework. I mean, it was, so yep. did you feel like that experience really prepared you? Because I'm guessing that's kind of how it was, right? You're up the oh, front yeah. desk, mom and dad, or everything, uh, everything man. He they speak everything. English. Oh, they, they, I mean, they do. They do. They do much better now, but at the time, they weren't as good. So it, a hundred percent did. I mean, it, you, you learn so much about just like life and business and everything, right? I mean, even like I didn't realize, but I will learn all these things because of my experience there that prepared me for the future. So, for example, so my sister and I before we got paid like like not even minimum wage early on, but when we got, we got 100% of the tips that we earned. And was, when we, when we, my parents would do like festivals where we had a FUBU set up before FUBU sort of thing. So we had to go to festivals and we would get all the tips. So we knew if we structured things a certain way, we'd increase our amount of tips that her and I would get. So she was like, you know, I was like eight. She was, you know, she's three years, four years older. So she was 12. So like we had position where like if, if I was up front or she's up front, we, we were really strategic about this. We would draw the most like amount of tips. And there was ways we would do it psychologically to increase the amount of tips that we would get because we observed certain patterns. So for example, like s- the smallest things, for example, we knew if the, there was a big sign on the tip jar at the front, then number one, they would see it. That's the first thing. It was right in front. Number two, when they gave us their cash or they gave us a cash, it's a $20 bill. Let's say that the meal is $12. We take the $20 bill, say out of 20, instead of just put it into the till, we, we had like a little rock and we, we, we would actually put it like on the, 20, on the top of the till, put the rock on top so they could see the 20, which is right behind the tip jar. Then we, what's we, the we significance of the, what's the significance of the rock? They would look at it. They would look at it. Oh, okay. The rock. They're going right, to look they're at like, it. Cause I've actually, I've seen that before. Okay. I've yeah. seen the rock. But also it's like, it's windy. If it's windy, let them blow away. So yeah, you, want, yeah. you want a visible, yeah, yeah. there's a couple different Number one, sometimes people would say, oh, I gave you a, a 20 and you, you, you know, you, you don't give me 10 for a 10. They would lie. So you, when they can see the money, it eliminates that issue. So we put, we use the rock, hold it down. They can see it. Tip jar's right in front. We take out the chain. Let's say it's $8 and change. So then I would take a step back. So they, I'll say out of 20, 12 and out of 20, they have to lean forward now with their hand which is a step back. So the hands right over the tip jar. And then I would slow play the count 12 and 13, 14. And did anybody teach you this or you're just learning no. this? No, I just, we had no, you just, this is just, okay. Just See, this is what I love. This is what I love about why I think it's so important for your kids to work in the business. Totally. Like think about the education that you got. No, hundred percent. So uh, like, we, we would get like, like some of these nights, it'd be like 200 bucks in tips. So she'd get a hundred, I get hundred. I'm like eight years old. She's like 12, you know? So we, you know, some of these weekends we can make a couple hundred dollars and we get to take that money and have that extra money. It was nice. You know, I wouldn't add, look, I, you know, obviously there's child labor laws in each state totally. Um, totally. to protect abuse. Right. Yeah. But I, but I look, I have a 12 year old kid that could very well run a restaurant. 
he what? he you know he needs you know he he could work a couple hours he 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 would do a great job you know he and I just think it's super important I just think we're robbing our look I get you know, I want to be careful yeah. here because I understand that people abuse you know the child you don't want your child you don't want a child to be abused but there's a line between abuse and, and giving them some exposure that's important hundred percent these develop so many life skills that maybe at the time I really didn't appreciate until I was older. Like becoming older and being able to, to, you know, secure more job offers as a college graduate because I could relay specific situations to the experience they're looking for put me ahead of everybody else. Well, Adam Rose is like, well, you know, like I kind of work at the Gap for like a couple hours a week. Like, <laughs> let me show, let me explain to you what I had to do to pay for school. And they're like, oh my God, like, let me explain to so you. What did, so what did you, so tell me about school. How, what would you, what'd you have to do to pay for school? So, so first off, the first thing, the first thing I did was, so my parents were awesome. They said, Marcus, you can go to any college that you want as long as you pay for it. I said, fantastic, great. So first thing I did was, <laughs> I'm like, I'll go to University of Oregon because it's in state, right? I'm like, oh, let me go. And I started applying for as many scholarships as possible, all right? And I was applying like literally everywhere, all right? And then I go for all these scholarships. And it wasn't as easy back then as it is today. So I did as many as I could, got rejected literally hundreds of times. Eventually got enough money for to cover just tuition, but this doesn't cover anything else, whether it was books, other fees or anything else. So I'm like, okay, but, so you, but you got a scholarship that covered at least the big portion, right? The big portion. Yeah. So then my initial plan was actually to work at my parents' restaurant to basically pay for, you know, pay for, pay for college for anything else. But then they sold the restaurant in 2002, which actually did me a huge solid because it forced me to go get a different job. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do that. So the first job I got was at a Speedo store selling Speedos and Speedo accessories. So that was a ton of fun doing that because I was a competitive summer growing up. So it made perfect sense. Okay. So, work, so that was like, I worked maybe 10, 20 hours during the, the week, but on some weekends they would have a swim meet and I would drive like, it, I wake up at three in the morning, drive a couple hours, set up stands at a swim meet, sling Speedos for 12 to 14 hours. Then I drive back home in a couple hours and then do it again the next day. So that was, that was yeah. actually, you know, 20, 30, 40 hours a week. You know, I do, you know, overall I, for the week, depending on how long it was. I love, I love the boost sales. So like yeah. my first kind of money making deal was I made necklaces. And so yeah. I worked a state, I worked a state fair and some concerts yeah. and I'm probably 12. And I yeah. loved just like, the hustle, right? Like yeah. you're trading, you know, you're this necklace, that necklace, you're trading which beads you want on it. You're, you know, you're exchanging cash. You're like the whole, so like when I go, my kid plays lacrosse and they bring these kids in from uh, uh, Connecticut to sell these yeah. lacrosse t-shirts. And I, I get just totally like, I just a total high watching yeah. these kids selling the t-shirts, like just the whole movement, you know, you got oh, yeah. people grabbing stuff. I love it. It's, it's like, oh, I, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. So that was also, I did, I did that. And then I also did, and then also did part-time assistant swim coaching as well. So during swim season for like high school, I would go and like coach that as well. And then, you know, I'll just do, do like random, I don't work for my parents. For, they also had festivals still. So they sold the restaurant, but they still did festivals too. So they sold, they owned the titles, the, 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 the rights of that. So we do festivals as well on some of the weekends. So it was, it was a mix of all of the above. And then finally my junior year, um, you know, I was like, cause this, this is all minimum wage. At this point, and I, I was going to graduate in a couple of years. I'm like, okay, I need to like try to get some sort of internship or do something that's going to, you know, hopefully like lead me to a real career because I don't want to own a restaurant. I don't want to sell speedos for the rest of my life. 
And that's when I was at the career fair. I remember like going to the career fair and looking at all the internships. And uh, I was going around war suit, war suit, like went to like as many, like, I had one suit I got, one suit, well, that same suit, went to like every possible booth in there to see what they had to, to offer and start applying for these scar or for these internships. And that's why I got offered the enterprise one. And that's when I first started enterprise. That was my first like wear a shirt and tie, get to show up. Felt good about myself, right? I used to have sideburns. Like I cut my sideburns off because they wanted. Oh, to- that's awesome. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was so you're clean and slick now, but oh yeah, you had some. Oh, yeah. You had some sweet, some some, yeah. some sideburns. I love it. Oh yeah, so that was a ton of fun. But that that's how I paid for college, just doing that and just working on stuff to make sure I graduated zero debt. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. As always. Uh, if you want more information on the podcast, go to monsterconnect.com forward slash podcast. Uh, you can get last season's, uh, last year's episodes. You can get all the new episodes for this year. And as always, remember, don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can. Until next time. <laughs>